If you have your Bibles, do you have your Bibles? Good. Matthew 6, stay there, but before we read that, I want to say some things. I'm not going to really pick up what I spoke on last week. I'm just going to continue from what I spoke. That makes sense? I don't have to repeat myself. Please get the CDs. There are some available. If you weren't here last Sunday, what we shared last Sunday was vitally important. It's where we're going. Get the CD. That way I don't have to repeat myself this morning. Amen? What's going to happen in the next three years? You know, we've been speaking to you as a congregation about a new year of revelation. Have we not? Right, where some people create New Year's resolutions, we said this year will be our year of revelation, a whole year of continued revelation. You see, the reason why you need revelation is this. Without revelation, unfolding revelation, you have no way, no capacity, no means to move forward. You have to have Revelation. Revelation can otherwise be known as light. When the glory of God shines upon his word, he illuminates the word. It's amazing. God can say one word and bring 30 years of containment to an end. In one word, God can literally bring 30 years of containment to an end. And in one word, God can accelerate you more in one word then it's taken you, I don't know how long. That's the power of this word. That's why we need revelation. Without revelation, the church cannot move forward. Without revelation, we can't know God. Without revelation, we can't see God. So we've got to have revelation so that we can understand, we can grasp, we can enter, we can lay hold of God more clearly. And I've come to realize this is one of my revelations I'm giving to you, one of my revelations this year has been, is that God is not saying an awful lot. Just don't stone me yet. I don't believe God is saying an awful lot. Now, what I mean by that is, God is saying many things to individual people. Every day, God is speaking to his people. Yes? God is speaking into your life. God is speaking into my life. But God isn't speaking an awful lot. God is emphasizing a few things. Now, take your personal relationship. And when God speaks to you, and the, and the many times that you do hear God, I bet, I'll put my money on it, that when you drill right down, God is only saying a few things even to you. God is only emphasizing The things that need to be emphasized in your life. God isn't the type of God when you have a chat about nothing. God does not waste time. God does not waste his words. So when he speaks, he speaks a few things to get major emphasis so that you'll come into obedience. And it's amazing. You go into the church and the preachers are saying a lot of things. And they're saying, God's saying this, and God's saying that, and God's saying this, and God's saying that. When actually God isn't saying half the stuff that they say he's saying. God is saying a few things. But when he says them, boy, are they strong. That's what true prophetic ministry is. It's knowing what is the emphasis of God for your time and your season and your location. 
That is the prophetic ministry. And you'll find that if you backslide, you walk away from God, your heart goes cold towards God, you leave him, you walk away, you pursue what you want to do, and then only to come back, repent, you'll find God will emphasize the same thing to you three years ago when you left him. God will always pick up from where he last left off. Why? Because that's what was important to your life. And if you'd you'd have listened to him at the time when you should have listened to him, you would not have experienced the wilderness for how many years? So when God speaks, he always places emphasis on that which is important. He's not a God who wastes words. He doesn't say, hi, Tony, how are you doing today? What have you been doing? He knows what I'm doing. He knows my thoughts from afar. He perceives me from afar. So he's not asking for information. He knows. So when he speaks, a lot of our prayers, he's telling God what he already knows. God, you know that guy down the road? Yes, I know which one you mean. And we feel if we don't give God a name, he doesn't know. True? Come on. God, what's his name? Oh, God, God, you know. Yeah, you only know now because you can't remember his name. You're frustrated. But God says, yes, I know. Just tell me the issue. God, the guy down the road, I need you to save him. Get right to the point. Get to the point of emphasis. Now, you see, the word emphasis is very, very important. Let me explain what the word emphasis means. Are you ready? The word emphasis explains something that demands importance or attention to be given to something. The word emphasis explains something that demands importance or attention be given to something. Or the extra force that you give to a word or part of a word when saying it. The word emphasis explains something that demands importance or attention be given to something. Or the extra force that you give to a word or part of a word when saying it. Let me give you an example. You ever heard your mother say, I'll use my name, Tony? Get down these stairs now, right now. Anybody ever heard the mother say that? Right. Did she not give emphasis? Where was the emphasis? Now. The action was get down these stairs. The emphasis was now. Why? The whole context, the whole tone that she used gave a context that there's something urgent. There's something important. So she gave force to it by the way she spoke it because it demanded something, an action now. Does that make sense? So when your mother or your father used your Sunday name, you knew straight away by them using your full name, there was emphasis here, I'm in trouble. True? Because I was always called our toe. Our toe. That's what she called rather than tone it, hey, our toe. So when she used Tony or Anthony, I was dead. I knew I was in trouble straight away. I've been caught. Yeah, I've been caught. Now, there are four words in all that I want to pull out here just for a minute. There's a word called demand. Something that demands. The next word is importance. The next word after importance is attention. 
And the word after attention is extra force. So God is speaking. When God speaks, there's a demand on what he's saying. We take it as a suggestion, but it's a demand. It's got importance. If it's not important, God wouldn't be speaking it. Yes? And what does it need? Your attention. So what does that mean, your attention? Your whole spirit, your soul, and your body must give attention when heaven is emphasizing its point. Hello? The extra force that God gives to something. So how many times do we read in Scripture, and the word of the Lord came again? The word of the Lord came again. And then there comes a point when the word comes and it's not obeyed, judgment comes. Or consequences come. Because you were stiff-necked people, because you rebelled, because your fathers refused to obey my word, this happened. God made emphasis in their generation, and but because it was a stiff-necked people, then an action came. He arrested, God arrested prophets, priests, Kings, every person God could use, he used to make his emphasis. He demanded, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a demand. And he tells him to go back time and time again. And each time, the emphasis, the importance, the urgency, the extra force that Moses had to give. Eventually, and Pharaoh became so hard and stiff-necked that he lost his nation. He lost his army. True? So when God speaks to us in a time and a season, he wants to emphasize that which is important to us. It's important to him for us. So that's why God's not saying everything to everybody, but he's saying some things to those who will listen. See, those who don't listen say God's saying many things. Those who know what God's saying, saying God's saying this. There's a difference. We're not blind. So Matthew 6, 9 says this. This is then how you should pray. So he's, he's bringing an emphasis on something. He's going to give definition. He's going to give emphasis. He's going to give time. He's going to give demand, urgency, and importance, and extra force on This, which is about to say, then this is how you should pray. So the first thing he puts emphasis on is our father. That's the first thing he has to put. He has to make the father, the centrality of everything he's about to say. Guess what? It's never changed. That centrality is still the same. But in time and generation... People remove that centrality. So God has to keep speaking. He's saying nothing new, but he just keeps re-emphasizing it in another generation. Hello? You see, when Martin Luther received his revelation during the, the Reformation that the just shall live by faith. In other words, it's not works that makes you saved. It's faith in Christ. Is that, was that new? No. It had been preached before. It had been preached in other times in other generations. But then that truth got lost. So then God has to re-emphasize it again. You see what I'm saying? But it wasn't new. It was just new to him. But it was never new. Because the word is from the beginning to the end. It's the same word. 
But every time another generation rises up, God begins to receive that which needs urgency. But it seems new to us, but it's not. It's continual. Yes? The race that we're running is not a new race. Others have ran it before us. Now others, we're running it alongside others. And then we'll get to the end, we'll finish our race, but the race will continue. But my race finished, but our race, the church's race, is still running. It's been run. Does that make sense? So our Father, then he says, hallowed be your name. Our God is holy. That's the next thing he sets in there. We need emphasis on the holiness of God. So is our Father. The holiness of God is set before the people. The holiness of God is the standard of which everything must rise to. So he places this emphasis on our Father is holy. Yes? Your kingdom come. So now our Father is holy and he has a kingdom and we want, he wants his kingdom to come. That is the emphasis. How is our Father, who is holy, who has a kingdom, he wants it to come. When does he want it to come? At the end of the age? At the beginning of the age? No, now. It's a continual emphasis. Some people, some Christians say, do you believe in this kingdom now? Absolutely I do. They think, oh, we'll inherit the kingdom at the end. They misunderstand what you inherit and what's supposed to be coming on the earth now are two different things. That's like trying to put Easter into Christmas. They're two different issues. But they hear the word kingdom and don't understand it. There is a kingdom now. What does he say? What, listen to the word he says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why does he need it? Why are we praying for it to come at the end? If that's the case. He wants it done now on the earth. He's very specific. He places emphasis on the earth. Why? Because the kingdom's already in heaven. The kingdom's already there. Why? Because Christ is ruling and reigning. We are seated in heavenly places, but we function on the ground. So he places major emphasis on the kingdom now, not at the end. Amen? Then he, so we see, is our father, is holy, he wants his kingdom on the earth, and then he says, his will be done as it is in heaven. So four things that God's emphasizing. The nature and character of our Father never changes. Jesus came to point us to the Father. Nothing's changed. It's still the revelation of our Father about His Son. Hello? It's the revelation of the Father about His Son. Once we understand the Son, we understand the Father. We understand the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? We can't understand the revelation of Christ without the Holy Spirit. So as, we, as he shows us the revelation of the Son, we see the bigger picture, which is the Father. Does that make sense? So we pray our Father, because it's our Father's will that we're looking to, to fulfill. Jesus fulfilled the Father's will on earth. So now through Christ... We fulfill our Father's will because the Father's will still needs to be fulfilled. Well, if Jesus fulfilled the will, 
Why do we need to fulfill it? Because his king, the, the will that Jesus fulfilled was to establish the kingdom in the heavens. Your job and my job as the church is to bring the heavens onto the earth. To establish the kingdom on the earth. So as it is in heaven, it will now be on the earth. Does that make sense? This is why the church is the governing force on the earth to bring our father's kingdom, to make our father's kingdom known on the earth. So therefore, now Christ rules in the heavens and he rules on the earth through you. This emphasis has never changed. It has never, ever changed and it never will change. So when God is saying a lot of things, you can bring them down to these things. God is still, God's nature still needs to be understood. God's will needs to be understood. God's will needs to be fulfilled. Holiness needs to be fulfilled. And it will be through the Holy Ghost, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost. This is why the Bible says, he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. That work in you is the work of holiness. That's, but, we, but the theologians call that word sanctification. But the word sanctification means he's, he's, he's bringing you to the standard of our Father. Through the Holy Spirit. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? So we see that his will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God gives emphasis. He gives force. He gives importance. He gives attention to these issues. How much more then should we? If these are the issues of God, why do we then then pursue other things and expect God to speak us in these areas? He says, it's my will, not yours. Most Christians think they're trying to get God to back what they're doing. God, God, can you, can, can you bless my plans? No. I can't do that. Well, if you really loved me, you would. No, it's because I do love you. I'm smart enough to turn you around from your plans that will kill you. So he takes you from your plan and brings you into his plan and his will. He says, now you follow my plans and I'll bless you. But what we see now in young people, churches are ministering to young people and they're telling them a lie. They're showing them this lie. Just pursue your dream. It's setting them up for failure. Everyone's got a dream in this room. Have you not? Everyone's got a dream in this room. God doesn't want to kill your dreams, but some of your dreams are not pure. Some of your dreams, dreams will kill you and contain you. Because God knows that the end before the beginning. He sees where your ultimate dream left to you to pursue will take you. He sees it. That's why he says, no, no, capture my will. And in all things... All, these, all the desires of your heart will be fulfilled if you fulfill my will. But it's, all, the all the trouble we get, all the stress we get is trying to get God to bless me. This is a fundamental part of Christianity. It's following God. Seek first. When someone says first, what does it mean? Primary, number one. It's the issue. First is first. Only in the Olympic Games is second deemed as first. Just because you get a medal for second and third, it's called second loser, third loser. Gold is gold. Gold's better than silver. So if you get silver and you stand up there and you feel like a winner, wonderful. But gold is gold. Nobody remembers a silver winner. 
True. It's like a loser's cup medal. Who remembers a loser's cup medal? Say, why don't you put it on eBay and see how much you get for a loser's cup medal? And put a winner's cup medal on, on eBay and see how much you get for that. Guaranteed. The winner's medal is going to fetch more than the loser's. Only the loser remembers the loser. But the winner is triumphant. His memories. We beat you. You were the loser. There are no losers in the kingdom. Everyone is meant to be a winner. We press on for the prize. The prize. We're in the race for the prize. There are no seconds and thirds. Amen? It's a great, great race. So if you go to Matthew 4, verse 4. So God is placing emphasis. The revelation this year will will lead us to a point of God showing us his emphasis. So when when we're saying, God, show me a revelation this year, Lord, give me your revelation. Father's going to place emphasis on what he's going to show you. He's not going to give you the, the, the Beatles mystery tour. He's not going to take you into heaven and, you, and, and you're going to be taken away and you're going to see all crazy things. But when you come back, you say, what did, he, what did he say? I don't know, but I sure saw it a lot. That's called the magical mystery tour. When God shows you things, it's so that he can place emphasis. Amen? So many people have a revelation of hell. You may have read testimonies of people who've been to hell. God showed them what hell was like. What do you think the emphasis was? Don't go. Go and tell everybody so they don't go. Right. So the emphasis is very clear. Nobody wants to be in hell. But when there's an emphasis of heaven, so many things are in heaven. The angels, the throne room, the rivers. So many people can get taken taken back by what they see. But God's got an emphasis. What did God say to you? I don't know, but it was, I love the wallpaper. I love the furniture. I love the streets of gold. Duh. What did he say? Experienced Christians want an experience, but still can't hear the word. So Matthew 4, 4, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version on, on some of these verses. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So there's an emphasis here, isn't there? But on. Is the emphasis right now, put on the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he's putting emphasis on not bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Is that true? It's never changed, has it? Right, so that's where the emphasis must stay. The word coming from heaven is the most important word. Because it's the, it's the, it's the word that God gives emphasis to. God isn't saying to you, I like the red shoes you bought yesterday, Tony. Or the blue shoes you bought yesterday. God's not, he's not casual in that sense. When God speaks, he always brings attention to what needs to be brought attention to. So you're seeking God over here for something. But when God speaks, he arrests you in another area. Why does he arrest you in that area when you were talking about that area? Because that's the area that needs attention. But Lord, can't we ignore that? No. But Lord, please, please, please. Lord, I'll do this. No, let's deal with this area right now because this is the area that needs dealing with. And if you're going to fulfill my will, 
You need to learn to deal with what needs dealing with at the time it needs dealing with. That's where we get in trouble because we try to, you know, the illustration of the plaster always works for me. As a child, you want, your mum puts it on and you know when the plaster's been on, it's either one big tear or little tears. And you know the little tears don't work, don't you? Because little tears mean big tears, don't they? And you say, just, uh, uh, there's only one way. It's like when you see these guys being waxed. Crazy, I know, but they go wax. Listen, God gave you airs on your body, right? Now, ladies, if you've got a beard, we might go a bit too far there, but get over it. Vanity will cause you to suffer pain that you should never have needed to suffer, right? But you know when they wax you and they just pull it off, you're sat there at home going, oh, my Lord, it's going to hurt. You know it's going to hurt. But it's better one big ouch than a lot of... true you know it's true so he says let's live on that word that's proceeding from my mouth the word that's coming from my mouth is the only word that needs to be emphasized it's the only word that needs to be emphasized there's no other word that needs emphasized only the one that's coming from his mouth hello now if you Here's the preceding word for us, very short. I've made, I said this to you last week, but here it is again for you, for those who wasn't here. The preceding word for us this year is Christ is revealed. One. Number two, I'm going to give you three blocks. Christ is revealed. Everything we do will be revealing Christ. Number two, the church will be reformed. Okay? Christ revealed the church reformed. Number three is the city will be transformed. So think of a domino. You cannot reform the church unless Christ is revealed. So to reveal Christ, you need to put emphasis on Christ. Does that make sense? To see God's preceding word come to fruition, we must place emphasis on Revealing Christ. That's why we're going to look at the elementary teachings again in sonship. Because we're going to see these elementary teachings. We're going to see Christ revealed in a fresh way. And that's going to become the landmark for you to be moving on. Okay? This is what came out of our authentic sonship groups. That we realize that the, the elementary teachings are not so elementary. So we let's, let's need to make it. Because the Bible says we can't progress unless we know them. So, Christ revealed everything we're going to do. We're going to just hit it so that Christ is revealed. So that you get every available opportunity for Christ to be revealed clearer and clearer and clearer in your life. Now, as we reveal Christ, that truth begins to reform you. It begins reforming the church. The only way you'll ever reform the church is by keep revealing Christ. It's the only way. Now, when I said revealing Christ, we're not just revealing knowledge about him, we're revealing him. So many churches talk about him, but very few know him. We want to talk about what we know, the one we know. The Bible says that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have touched, that which our own hands have laid hold of. This is what we make known to you, so that your fellowship will be sweet with us. 
so that you'll know what we know. You'll touch what we'll touch. You can see what we see. It's all inclusive. But they had to go to a people with that which was the core emphasis. And that core emphasis is what kept revealing Christ. Paul said, I have deemed in my life, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word. I am determined to preach Christ and Christ crucified. To make him known. So wherever Paul went and revealed Christ, churches get springing up. Amen? Wherever Christ was revealed, the apostolic just exploded on the scene. But wherever religion hit the ground, confusion filled the atmosphere. So Paul had to go in, clear the mess up, reveal Christ again, set him clear, and all of a sudden, Christ exploded again. So whenever we remove Christ and we put tradition, religion, form, duty, or a good atmosphere rather than a God atmosphere, Christ takes a step back and man takes over and man begins to build a church in his own image. For his own likeness. Yes? So we have to keep Christ as a centrality. Because if the standard is Christ. Listen, if I set a standard or Phil sets a standard or Paul sets a standard on his own. And Christ doesn't come through for us. We're in trouble. But here's the point. Listen. If Christ is setting the standard in this church. And you fight and you resist. I don't feel. I don't take it personal. Because it's the standard of Christ. But if I set a standard and you attack me, I take it personal. But I don't mind taking one for him. Yes? So the best plans are the ones from heaven. So I know that God given us this school. We're gonna, it's got to be, the, the, the clear thing has got to be Christ revealed. The church reformed. The city transformed. Because once the disciple, once you get the Christ revealed, you get the disciple beginning to be reformed. He wants to go and transform his city. He wants to change his environment. Amen. So you won't mobilize the church unless you can reform them. You can't reform them unless you reveal Christ. One door opens another door to another door. Amen. This is why this revelation is so important to us, the preceding word. So every time you stand and you pray, you must say, Lord, reveal Christ to me today. Reveal a greater truth of Christ today. Reveal him. And as you as he reveals him and you step into that truth, you'll feel your life being reformed. That's the only way your life will change is by seeing Christ greater. You see, so many people don't see Christ anymore. They've learned in a church life to come to church and they've stopped seeing Christ. They just hear about him. They've stopped seeing him personally. And when you see him, it's like, oh my Lord. Phil used a phrase many, many years ago. And we're seeing the weight of it today. And he says, when you see Christ, there's got to be a change. But when you meet Christ face to face, there has to be a change. And there has to be. It's true. When you see him, you change. Read your Bible. Everyone who saw him changed. So the issue is, keep seeing him. Keep seeing him. Don't just see him once. Keep seeing him. Well, how do you see him? Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to show you Christ. The Holy Spirit loves, to, it loves that kind of prayer. He's going to answer that prayer. Reveal Christ to me. 
What do you think he's going to do? No, you're not ready. Of course he's going to reveal. But once he reveals, you have a choice and you, that's the emphasis. Those are, now reveal something for me to, again tomorrow. No, that's the emphasis. Start there. Right, Lord, what do you want me to do now? Get in on this. Get in on this. Start giving your heart towards that. Go and talk to somebody. Share with them what you've revealed, what God's revealed to you. Get it clear in your heart and start the steps towards it. And as you start the steps towards it, God will learn and reveal more. And that's called the Christian walk. But what we do is we come to a meeting, someone prophesies over us, and then we run somewhere else for another word. It's amazing. If the true prophets, they'll keep saying the same thing. Why? Because that's the emphasis. It's amazing. When I, when I used to go, Phil was with me. I go to different meetings and I was going through a hard time. And he was there as God is my witness. Every time a prophet would speak, he kept saying the same thing to me. And it's almost after a while, God's saying, are you getting the picture here, Tony? This is the emphasis. Stay on this. But Lord, it's hard. I want a sweeter word. That's the word. That's the word. Stay on that word. That's the prophetic emphasis. So, and he answered them and he said, it is, once it's been written, it's been written. Hello? It's been written. If it's written, it's unchangeable. It's not going to change. So, you, I the Lord, change not. That's what the scripture says. So we need to stay with what's written. Because what's written is what's being emphasized. What's written is what needs to be revealed. Hello? There's a lot of things written in the Bible, isn't there? Some of it's history. Some of it's encouragement. Right, whatever God reveals to you, whether it's history or encouragement, that's it. It's written for you. It's written for a purpose. It's written so it can be emphasized. Thank God, there's many things it says in the Bible that Jesus said and done, but if he were to write them all down, there wouldn't be enough volumes. Right, he didn't need to emphasize those things, did he? Think about it. They're the things that didn't need emphasizing. They were good things, but these things have been written for you so they can be emphasized so that you can step into them now. Now, the theologian would want to know what was written. He wants to know what's written. Why? Because he wants to feel big by his knowledge. That's immaterial. The reason why they're not written and put in this canon of scriptures is because they're not emphasized. They're not to be emphasized. So what the Nicene Council did when he cut the 66 books together, there was other books there that they put to one side. And they deemed that these are the books of the Spirit. These are the books that the Holy Ghost was emphasizing. That's why we got 66, not 67. Or 65. You read a Catholic Bible, they've got a few more included. 66 is called the canon of Scripture. It must be godly because that's the year we won the World Cup. 66. It's confirmation. We saw it. <laughs> See, when, you, when Christ is revealed through the preceding word, we, we pursue the fresh word, revelation, and then perception, understanding, and emphasis comes from what's being revealed. Christ must be revealed. How many believe that? So go to Ephesians chapter 1, if you will, please. Man, time's gone. I never have time to finish what I wrote. It's not fair. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, so there's a good reason. He's He's going to make this reason known to us now. I too... Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which among, uh, exists among you, and your love for all the saints, don't cease giving thanks for you. Do not cease for giving thanks for you. For while making mention of you in my prayers, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. So what does he want? He wants to em- emphasize in his prayer that God will give you a spirit of wisdom knowing what to pray, how to pray, a revelation, and a knowledge of him. Three things that he's he's emphasizing, because he wants this group of people to step into this dimension. Amen? This is what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So through what he's he's just prayed, revelation, knowledge, and wisdom, they're going to open the eyes of their heart, and they're going to be enlightened. So that you will know what? is the hope of his calling. Oh, I'm going to want to know what my calling is. No, no, no. He wants you to know the hope of his calling because his calling is what brings the hope. This is what he wants you to know. This is why Christ has to be revealed because once you know what God's revealing to you, you'll surrender. You'll submit. Because you see, God's shown you, man hasn't taught you. He's precious. Now God showed me. Hello? The woman who, uh, after, she said, the woman at the well, when she was spoke to Jesus, after she went back to her village, she tells the people, but what did the people say? Now we know he's true, not because of what you said, because we've seen him. There was something that only he could reveal that she couldn't. But she was instrumental, without a shadow of a doubt. So Paul says here, that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. There's a lot here he wants you to know. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. So just pause there a minute. All that he's telling you is in Christ. So you need, Christ needs to be revealed so you know what's inside Christ. Yes? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So we know now if the kingdom of God has got to come, we know he's already, there's a kingdom in heaven. Because he's ruling and reigning. He's seated in heaven. Far above all rule. Amen? Far above all rule, authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the name, also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him a head over all things to the Church, you need a revelation of this. Which is his body. Who's the body? You. The fullness of him who fills us in all things. Or fills all in all. That needs a revelation. If Christ is not revealed, you'll never discover the power of the authority that's yours. You'll never understand how to bring the kingdom on the earth. Christ has to show us. We have to see it through Christ, in Christ. It's the only way the kingdom will ever come, through Christ. That's why Christ must be revealed. You see, when you first got saved, Christ was revealed to you. It was a gift that was given to you through faith. It wasn't your faith. The Holy Spirit gave you so that you could accept and believe. Did he not? So when you came in, 
You knew that this Jesus saves you, but you don't know Jesus at that point. You've just taken advantage of what's been offered. True? You've just taken advantage. The guy who interviews you for your job is not always the boss. So you take advantage of the job, what's being offered, then you get to know, hopefully, the owner. Once you know the owner, you know the owner has standards. You know he has ways and he knows that he has a particular way that he wants you to go about your business. Because if you don't, guess what? You're back on the dole queue and you're unemployed. Because it's his way or the highway. Very similar in the kingdom. The only way you can please Father by doing it his way. It's the only way. So when you see Christ revealed, he moves us into the next level, which is the church is reformed. I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced that the church in Europe needs a reformation again. I am not over, over a phase by the amount of Muslims in our nation. They make up a small percentage. The church is more than capable of knocking the stuffing out of anything that resists us. She's more than capable. Why? I'm not talking about the one on the earth right now. I'm talking about the church. The church, I've just read Ephesians and I know what power lies in that church. So that church, that church has to come out. That's the church that we need to see on the earth. That's the church that we're trying to bring you into. Amen? So the church that we see right now is asleep. It's asleep. But if we can reform this body, let's just start with this body. If we can reform this body, then this church becomes alive. And I can only take responsibility for this church. You can only take responsibility for your life. You can only take responsibility for this word that's coming to you. True? So as you take this word, take this life, you become reformed. Then you move towards city transformation. And you are fulfilling everything that Ephesians has just spoken about. How many of you know that every believer is born again? People say, I'm a believer. What kind of believer? Go and ask people in your work. They believe in a lot of things. But I'm a believer. And I like what David Jones said. I'm a believer, then I saw his face. When I saw his face, then I'm a believer. But then, then there's a born-again believer. There's a believer, then there's a born-again believer. Yeah? But I want you know, not every born-again believing saint is a disciple. No, no. Not every born-again believing saint is a disciple. This is why the church is not reformed, because there's no disciples being raised. This is the very issue right here. A lot of prophetic ministry is not prophetic because it's not raising, making emphasis on raising disciples. So how prophetic do we really want to be? Let's get to the main emphasis. There is no apostolic church without disciples. The work of the apostolic is to raise disciples. Why? Because the disciples themselves are to be disciples before they became apostles. That model's already there. So if they are to become disciples, they went from believers to disciples. From disciples to apostles. You still need taking from a believer to a disciple. We've become believing hearers. Not necessarily believing disciples. Not every disciple, not every disciple possesses a stomach for a fight. Have you noticed that? 
Not every disciple possesses a stomach for the fire. So if there's a kingdom and there's a kingdom uh, advancement, it's going to be, the Bible tells us it's going to be opposition. So if there's going to be opposition, you need to get a stomach. There's going to be good days and bad days. You know, stuff's going to come to your life whether you want it or not. It's going to come to your life whether you want it or not. The issue is, do you have a stomach to fight it and push it back out of your territory? It's going to come. It's going to come. Whether you're good, holy, pure, clean, that does not make you exempt from hardship. It will come. So there's one or two decisions. I can be clean, pure, righteous, holy, walking with God, or I can live like a scuffer, but I've no power to push anything or change anything in my life when it comes. Or I can be empowered to push things and change things by revelation. It's the only way you'll change some stuff. It's coming anyway. I'm just letting you know, be encouraged, it's coming. But if we don't raise a disciple who can fight, you'll always be overcome. You'll live below what's been emphasized. And not every soldier will will carry legacy. So therefore, they won't carry the true sonship that God has revealed. This is why the church needs to be reformed, church. This is why Christ must be revealed. I know some people don't want what we want. They like what we provide. They like the worship, albeit this morning they thought, well, that's a little bit different. Welcome to different. It's not different. We've danced. It's not like we haven't danced before. But it was, it was a fresh emphasis where the Spirit of the Lord is this freedom. A fresh emphasis coming this morning. And as we moved into the emphasis, some of you began to get free. Eh? It's true. Christ was revealed. The Spirit of the Lord, this freedom. As we begin to move in this area, some of you, I like this church because I like the music. I like the songs they sing. Oh, I love the warm welcome they give me when I walk through the door. I like the cafe. Sad. All those things are nice. But nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. And every church should have nice things. Every church should have nice things. It should have good greetings, should have good car park, good cafes, all that thing. If you're going to make me a cup of coffee, make me a decent cup of coffee. Yeah, don't make me junk. It's true, isn't it? They're good, they're nice, but that's not the level. That's called entry level. That's called flesh and blood, soul. But then we move, we're going to reveal Christ. And when we reveal Christ, Christ just might move you on. Christ just might move you on, but I don't like this church. Oh, they're too demanding. Christ is always demanding. He said, lay down your life. Take up your cross. That's demanding. That's demanding. So some people won't like that, but keep revealing Christ, Tony. Keep revealing Christ. Keep reforming the core. Keep reforming it. Keep revealing Christ. Keep revealing the core. Keep revealing Christ. Keep revealing the core. How hard is that? It's not hard at all, is it? It is. It is. Because people don't want it. But I've still got to, I've got to be able to present you before Christ one day. I've got to say, Lord, this is, this is the church that you asked me to take care of. This is the rabble. <laughs> this is the scrabble. This is the people that you gave me, Lord. These are my, as I taught you on Thursday, these are my joy. These are the stone. They've been written on there. Uh, they, 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 you know, this glass of scripture that he say, you're our living testimony. An example written on our hearts, not on stone, 
tablets of stone, but you wrote them on our hearts. You're the people I can present you before Christ and say, Lord, this is the group you gave me. But what about Jimmy? What about David? What about Billy? What about Jeremy? Yeah, Lord, they didn't make the journey. Why? Because I kept revealing Christ. Well done, son. Well done. Well done. Did you lower the water? Did you lower the water level? No, Lord. We kept the water level high. Good on you, son. Good on you. Did you bow to temptation of the people? No, Lord. We kept the water level high. Well done, son. Well done. That's how we cross over. Because this is what Christ wants. He wants his church. It's good. You know, sorry, this is the church of Jesus Christ. If it's the church of Jesus Christ, it's only right that he should be number one. It's only right. It's only fair. Amen? Worship will never overtake Christ. Worship will reveal Christ. Teaching will never overtake Christ. We won't be known just for teaching. We'll be known for revealing Christ. That's our primary assignment. Make Christ known. Reform the church. Transform the city. It's never changed. This is the emphasis that God is bringing to the Dream Center. So when Emma said this morning about the rain, church, I remember Pastor Karen talking about she felt the bubble just ready to burst. The water's there. And before Pastor Karen, it was prophesied. Before that, the deluge. We've been hearing about what God is about to do. But you know what? Christ has not always been revealed. We've had words that have encouraged our hearts, but we've never come to the point now where we're just so determined to reveal Christ. When we reveal Christ, it'll just come. Why? Lift, when you lift me up, I'll draw all men onto me. Not onto the church, not onto a ministry, onto him. So get ready for more outbreaks of the Holy Ghost. Get ready for supernatural, as just the worship comes in, get ready for healings, deliverances, before any man lays hands on you. These things will happen. Why? Because Christ is being revealed as the worship kicks off. And then there'll be a time for ministry. There'll be a time for impartation. But the revealing, the revealing will come through a lot of your worship. But it's not the only avenue. Christ must be made known. Not just revealed. You reveal Christ by making him known. Amen? So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. Do you know, when God spoke to me a couple of years ago next door in the cafe, and I was praying, I've told you this before, but I want to tell you it again, because it's worth emphasizing. When God spoke to me in the cafe next door and I was asking God, God, what do you want the Dream Center to do? I think it was 2013 or 2012 at the time. I said, what do you want the church to do this year, Lord? We'll do anything for you. And I'm praying about, Lord, get involved in the city, doing all this kind of thing. God just stopped and arrested me quite abruptly, quite unprofessionally, and just said, it's the wrong question. One little word arrested me. It's the wrong question. I felt, how dare you? My prayer was really good. I was, I was using good, constructed words. 
Yeah, sentences. And I was using them. And I felt really good about what I was praying. And he just interrupted said, the wrong question. Whoa. I could get quite offended with that. Then he says to me, why don't you ask me what type of man the city needs? So what emphasis do you think he was placing? He's placing it on me. Tony, stop. I'm not after your actions. Yes, we need actions. I'm after a man who will reveal me. And I was pursuing the, the, the line of action. And I would, I'd have gone into the action without the revealing. We call it social works. But if we carry Christ, every work has an emphasis to reveal Christ. And if our work's not revealing Christ, we stop the work. And we, and we, we bring it back to Christ-centered. But so many people keep doing the work, but they don't carry Christ. And they've lost the message of Christ. So God was telling me, Tony, you better get the emphasis very clear right now. This thing's going to be about me. If you're going to move into city transformation and, bring the, and the church is going to be reformed, your people's going to be in high places, hitting, hitting various realms and domains, you, met, you must reform this group of people so they reveal me and me only. That's what it means to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Now, every church will tell you they're Christ-centered, but the fruit... Finish it off. The proof is what? Right, have a look at the pudding. There's quite a lot of puddings out there. Yeah? All you've got to do is put your finger in it to see if there's any fruit in it. To see what consistency is in there. Phil did a great session on that. The baking and the cakes, the different types of cakes. Fantastic. What's your consistency? So the issue is, is we're not going to do our own thing. We're not going to allow you to do your own thing without telling you first. You've got your own free will, but that's where we're at. God is, going to, God is going to keep bringing the emphasis into your life. Yes? And when you come to us and talk to us about certain things, our responsibility as a leadership is to keep bringing back the main thing, the emphasis. Because it's, as it is written, it's not changed. It's written there for a purpose. Amen? So what God does, he brings us back to what's been written. That's the emphasis. So right now, if you raise your hands with me. Get ready to embrace this preceding word. Christ revealed. The church reformed. The city transformed. So every time you go before the Father, I'll say, Lord, reveal Christ to me. Reform my life. Reform my family. Reform my environment. Reform me, O oh God. Reform me. Do everything that you need to do, O oh God, to reform my mind so, so it becomes in line with your mind. Re re reform my ways so they come in line with your ways your kingdom come your will be done go back to Matthew keep praying it Lord how does your kingdom come in my life Lord I pray your kingdom come in my life I pray your will be done you're my father you're the sovereign father I align everything to you hallowed be your name Lord you're holy Lord I'm holy Clean cleanse me so I become holy like you Reform my life in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.